Good morning, church. I like that idea of uh, praising the Lord. And um, His praise forever being on our lips and on our hearts. It's interesting because when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of, of that statement, praise isn't a decision, right? Praise is a decision. To praise God doesn't at all necessarily mean that everything is peachy keen in your life. If we wait for everything to align up the way we think it needs to be perfect in order for us to praise the Lord, we're going to miss out on praising Him here on earth. Um, and, uh, you know, you look through the Bible and time after time after time you see that adversity is allowed in individuals' lives or even nations and countries' lives for their spiritual growth so that faith can get stronger. It's only through the resistance that you and I grow a stronger faith in Christ. And in that resistance resistance of circumstances, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can praise Him. Right? Uh, whether we're in the valley or on the mountaintop. Um, again, as, as you know, I seek the Lord day after day. I, I can't get this out of my head, and, and, and it's just in my spirit that, you know, the Lord is continually to, to remind us that we need to seek Him while He is to be found. To seek the Lord day by day, moment after moment, while He can be found. Because there's going to come a time in this earth where, where, where the restrainer is no longer going to be present. So the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out of this world. And so for you and me, we would be wise to seek the Lord while He may be found. Amen? Alright. Um, we'll be in James chapter 4 this morning. We're going to be finishing off this this chapter will be in verses 13 down to 17. This title, uh, this message is entitled, Boasting About Tomorrow or Do Not Boast About Tomorrow. So uh, please, when you get there, um, once again, James chapter 4, verses 13 down to 17, please stand for the reading of God's word. I'll pray and uh, we'll get into uh, the message this morning. All right. So it starts off and it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there, and we will trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you're boasting, or you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him 
it is sin. Let us pray. Father God, where your word says that whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And so this morning, Lord, we ask that you would make our, the eyes of our hearts and our whole being just receptive to what you have for us in your scripture, in your word. May we be given the discernment and the anointing from the Holy Spirit to be able to rightfully divide your word. May you show us how our total lives are dependent upon you. Every breath that we take, every, every second, every millisecond that we live is all given and granted from you. And it is a gift of, of you and it is a miracle that we cannot recreate or we don't hold our lives in our own hands but we are subject to you Lord and you are the one who ultimately decides when uh, a life will be taken and when a life will be given so help us to bear this in mind as we hear your word this morning may you search our hearts may you weed out the things that are causing division Lord whether it's between you and, and us and you or us and other individuals may you cause uh, and block out all things that are not edifying, that are, that are not of you, Lord. May you burn those things up and may we be put through the refiner's fire so that when we do come out of that fire, we, we have the reflection of Christ and not that of ourselves. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen. So last week... Um, we, we, took a, we took a good look at what it is to walk in complete victory in Christ. We saw that. We saw that last week. To have complete victory over Satan. That it's possible, right? Jesus did not go to the cross. He did not allow himself to be hung upon a tree and be scourged and to be beaten and to be have a uh, to be mocked and have a crown of thorns wrapped around his head and have his beard pulled out. He didn't, he didn't do all that so you and I could walk in defeat, living in defeat in this world. No, he he gave his life so that you and I could be victorious in him. And that we could share that victory and the good news of the gospel with everyone in our sphere of influence. And then we also have the eternal security of knowing that we'll be with him forever in heaven, in the new Jerusalem. So we literally can walk in victory in Christ. We don't ever have to walk in defeat unless we allow ourselves to come into agreement with that defeat or those accusations that Satan will throw at us. We learned about that last week. But we also learn what it looks like. What's the application? How, how, do, how do I walk in victory one moment after the other? Well, you and I need to submit to the authority and the rule of Jesus Christ in our lives. Well, okay. Well, what does that look like? It means taking every thought captive. We need to be so uh, spiritually aware with discernment given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I are able to sift through the thousands of thoughts that flood through our mind every day and be like, this is of the Lord? Okay, this is not of the Lord. Because you're either going to have thoughts that are from the Holy Spirit, you're going to have thoughts that are from your flesh, or you're going to have thoughts that are from Satan or from some demonic influence. And if you and I cannot discern the difference between the three, we're going to be tossed in a whirlwind of trouble. But as you grow in Christ, as you get stronger spiritually in Him, you're going to be able to rightfully divide those 
and you're going to be able to sense, okay, this is not of God. And you take it captive. You make it submit to the authority of Christ. You rebuke it in Jesus' name. Amen? That is how we live in victory. You see, when we draw near to God through prayer, by studying His Word, being in His Word, right? Through fellowshipping with other saints, other believers, other people that are on the same trajectory as you, like, oh, we're, we're saved. <laughs> or we're seeking the Lord. Maybe those who are not saved yet, but they're seeking. The Lord is wooing them to Himself. By fellowshipping with those kind of people, right? Through prayer, studying His Word, and fellowship with the saints, we are guaranteed that the devil will flee from us. Because we are, we are moving in the direction of Christ. We are edifying, we are filling our lives with His goodness, with His holiness, with His righteousness, and the devil has to flee. He can't stay put. He has to get out of there. He has to buck out. Lastly, we learned last week that gossip and acting as the final judge of anyone is wrong, like saying that person is going to go to hell or that person is never going to be saved. Like when we start talking like that, that is so not right. You and I should be the last people to say that so-and-so can never be saved. Do you know that rapists have been saved? Do you know that pedophiles have been saved? Do you know that homosexuals have been saved? Do you know that racketeers have been saved? Do you know that murderers have been saved? So who, who are you and I to make a final judgment? That's what we learned last week. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Now, if that's something that you're wrestling with, you know, wrestle with it between you and God. But don't go to a brother and sister in Christ and, 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 and gossip. It's another thing to, 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 you're talking about something where you guys are, you know, seeking the Lord on the matter, right? I get that. But I'm talking about where it's your straight-up chit-chat, nonsense talk, talking out the side of your neck, right? The Bible is clear that you and I will give an account for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. That should make you tremble and have reverence for God. Because you and I both know that we've all said some, I'll just say it, stupid things. Things that should have never been said. Running at, running at the list. And the Bible says that you and I are going to have to give an account for that. Praise God for His forgiveness. <laughs> and His mercy. That He says, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to deal with you gently with that. And, and, my, and my son Jesus died <laughs> and rose again so that you won't be held <laughs> uh, you know, in judgment of those things. But for the unbeliever, that's not so. And so we, we need to not allow ourselves to act as a, a final authority in anyone's life. We are called to make judgments all throughout the day, but not a final judgment. Leave that to the only one who has the authority to judge, and that is Jesus himself. This leads us into our scripture passage for this morning. You see, along with the arrogance of judging comes the arrogance of assuming we know what will happen in one's life. Hence the title, Do Not Boast About Tomorrow. All right. We have several main points, and the first one is this. No one but the Lord God Almighty knows what tomorrow may bring. God, who's sovereign, who, who, who is the creator of all. But you see, if we have not settled this, Biblical worldview. So if we're still struggling, I, I, I had it told to me years ago. If you go back to, you know, the first sentence in the Bible, if you struggle with, in the beginning, God, 
Just that. If you struggle with that and you're like, I can't receive that, then you're going to have a hard time with the whole, with everything, <laughs> the entirety of the Bible, because you, your point of reference is already off. You're already fighting against the fact that it's God that created. It's God that imposed his will. It's God that manifested all of this to come to pass. You see, you and I have to come to a place of humble submission where we say, yes, I agree. Yes, I concur. Yes, I believe that in the beginning of space and time, we must understand I can't, I, can't, I can't break it down like a scientist because it's beyond that. It's supernatural. All I know is it's true that God lives outside of space and time, yet he created space and time. And when he started the clock of space and time, he was there in the beginning. You see, you and I have to come to a place where we're like, okay, that rests well with my soul, and I'm okay with that, and I believe that, and I trust that. You see... He's the only one who knows what tomorrow may bring. As human beings, we are very interested and very concerned about the future. Are we not? Are you and I not right now, whether I'm standing here or you're sitting in those chairs, are we not interested and concerned about what the future holds? (laughs) It's like every day we're like, hmm, what's going on? Sometimes we speculate. Sometimes we have our own ideas of what we think is going to happen. You see, humans tend to either dread the future in fear of what's to come. Look at our society. Look at our world. is gripped by fear. Fear of tomorrow. Fear of the unknown. Fear of, of, of just the things that we see present day. And people are, 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 are petrified about the future. It's either that or we're overly anxious and can't wait for the future to arrive. Almost like a little child when it's, you know, two days till Christmas. And, you know, they're just, you know, can I, can I sleep underneath the tree tonight? <laughs> Why well, think you get so close to those presents that you try to, you know, see, pick it up, shake it, see if it might be something that you wanted? You know, we, we, we all in either one of those camps. That's typically how humans react to the future. But you see, apart from Jesus Christ, we will never have any inner peace. There'll be no peace. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be no contentment. There'll be no calmness in our spirit. We're either going to be dreadfully fearful of the future or we're going to be so anxious that we're like chomping at the bit. We can't wait. You see, my point of reference is typically from this Western culture because this is where I've been born and raised in America. And it's not to fight America at all. I'm just using this as a point of reference because we all typically are here. I don't see any foreigners in this room, so so we can understand this uh, against the, the the backdrop of the Word of God. But you see, in our culture, it seems like we're always looking to get a head start and a leg up. We're always man, how can I get ahead? How can I move forward? How can I, you know, uh, move move quickly into the next thing that I need to do? How can I move up the corporate ladder? How can I just, you know, keep surpassing and and reach my goals? And the reality is, in and of itself, that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. But this is it. But here in the Bible, it is clear when the created being decides in his or her own heart 
that they have the authority to set into motion what the day will bring, that is simply utter foolishness. You see, not relying on God and thinking you and I are just going to do it purely by our own will is foolishness. You see, many people subscribe to the New Age teaching of the Law of Attraction. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what the Law of Attraction is or isn't. I'm not going to get into a whole big spew about it because I don't want to give it more airtime than it needs, but I'll give you the premise and the basis of what the Law of Attraction is. The Law of Attraction suggests that you just simply meditate and, and think about and project in your mind what you want or what you want to happen, it will in fact happen. Hence the title of that teaching, the law of attraction. You're trying to attract these, these things into your life. So, so if I just want a Maserati, and I'm going to get a Maserati, and, 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 then, and I go from, okay, I want a Maserati, that's my goal. Now I'm going to figure out, and I'm going to work so hard that I'm going to get all this money, and I'm going to put every dime I have into putting down a whatever, you know, loaning a Maserati. And I'm going to get a Maserati, and, 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 and the universe is going to work in a way that's going to open up doors to where I, I can accomplish these goals. That's what the law of attraction is about. And many of uh, you know, the famous people in Hollywood subscribe to this, this method or this way of living. But let me warn you, church, that that is nothing more than a satanic ritual of worship where individuals draw from demonic power many times unaware of what they're even actually doing. They don't even realize that they're drawing from demonic entities and that they're worshiping demons and Satan when they're, when they're doing this. And they're the meditation of, of, of what they desire and trying to have it and trying to obtain it and trying to grasp it. We see the same obsession with tarot cards, tarot cards, palm readings, and horoscopes. You don't need to say you're a Libra. Don't go off of that. Please don't. I'm a Pisces. I'm a Sagittarius. That's demonic. That, 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 that's worship of the stars. Lucifer is the star of the morning. Don't worship that stuff. Don't, don't read into it. The sound of Mercury News is not going to give you a leg up on what tomorrow is going to bring in your life. A crystal ball going to some man or some woman who says, I'm going to read your palm, and all of a sudden from what? The, what? These lines? <laughs> They're going to... Yeah, I had a childhood friend, and uh, they had a Ouija board in their house, and they did all kind of stuff. And I remember my, 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 my buddy's little sister tried to read my palm one time <laughs> and tell me this and that about, oh, there wasn't going to be love in my life, and these, these, these lines split like this. Is going to, all kind of crazy stuff. Don't go down that route. Don't go down that route. But I'm bringing these things up because this is the obsession that humans have with the future. They want to know. But the Word of God is clear that Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, who created space and time, who has existed from eternity past, He who sits outside of space and time. You see, we live in a three-dimensional world. He lives and sits outside of three dimensions but he chooses to come into what he created. Him alone, he is the only one who knows the future. 
because he alone is sovereign. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, I will accomplish my purpose. You see, it's, it's, it's crystal clear that the Lord God Almighty is the only one who knows the future. So we need to be wise and submit to His authority. And again, Lord, may your will be done. You know, and not much stress over what tomorrow is going to bring. Amen? The second main point is this. Our lives on this planet are very short compared to eternity. <laughs> They're very short compared to eternity. The reality of this statement is this. One in one will die. There's no, there's no getting away from it. If you were born into this world, there's only one way out. And you're going to exit with your physical body being deceased. You see, our, 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 because of sin, and because of the marring effects of sin in this physical world, our corrupted physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That is why as you get older, your bones tend to get weaker, your hair loses its pigment, you start to shrink, I guess. <laughs> you get shorter, you get shorter as you get older. These are all the effects of sin, physically. I'm not even talking about the spiritual component of, of sin bringing death, but the fact that one in one will die. No one can evade death. That is, unless you are living alive in, in the church when the rapture will occur and then you will be caught up, you know. Aside from that, you and I are, you know, in, when he calls us home, he's going to call us home and we're going to pass on from this end of the spectrum of life into eternity. But this whole thing about death, this is why humanity does all it can to prolong the inevitable. I mean, they got creams and, and serums and Take this wrinkle away and take this spot away and make this hair, you know, it's not, you bring back your pigment and, you know, for men they got the, oh, you can, you know, you can subtly take away the gray from your beard and no one will really notice. Oh, stop it. You know, when I, you know, plastic surgery, and I'm not, I'm not bagging, I'm not going to name certain individuals, certain characters that are out there and, in, 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 you know, that are well-known celebrities, but there's something oddly strange. When you're a 75-year-old woman and you look like you're 30, I always say, look at the hands. Because you can disguise all this, but maybe the gizzard, maybe they can do a little work underneath over here and try to kind of make it look a little young. But when you look at the hands, when their hands look worse than mine, you ain't that young. <laughs> so why try to hide it? Why try to disguise it? Because you're fearful of death. They're fearful of death. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, man, there's a, there's a time and place for everything under the sun. There's going to be a time that you're going to be abhorred, and there's going to be a time when you're going to be deceived. This is the nature of life, and this is the nature of sin entering the world. It's wise that we would 
take heed to death. And that's the whole point of Jesus coming to earth and living the perfect life and giving his life and defeating sin, death, hell, Satan, and rising again and resurrecting so that you and I can be certain of where we're going to be when it is our time to go. That way we don't have to live in fear of death. But you see, the person that hasn't made the decision, the concrete decision to follow after Christ's heart and receive salvation in him and him alone, they will sidestep the conversation of death. They won't want to talk about it. They won't want to talk about it. It'll make them uncomfortable. Oh, you're morbid. I'm not morbid. I'm biblical. (laughs) I'm biblically sound in my view and what the Lord has shown me about life and death. And we must be in a place where we can be okay with it. Because then you'll really start living. As long as you're holding on and, and, and afraid of what the future, what the future is going to hold and, and, and all these things, and, and, and you're not casting your cares upon the Lord, you're going to not be living. You're not going to be living the life that the Lord intended for you to live on this earth. We, we, we have to understand that eternity starts the moment we accept Christ as our Savior. Eternity doesn't start when you die and go to heaven. That's, that's a false teaching. That's not correct. Eternity, if the Holy Spirit lives in you right now, then eternity is already started in your life. And there's nothing wrong in and of itself, again, with trying to live as long as you can. You know, trying to live healthy, trying to make changes in your life so you can take care of a the, the, the tent that the Lord has given you, the, the temple of God upon this planet, which is your body. There's nothing wrong with that. Because some would say, well, what do, you, what do you want? You want us to die young? <laughs> some people take that approach and they say, well, well, that's that whole live your best life now. They do anything and everything they want because they figure, I only have one life to live, I might as well get mine now. But this is not correct. Because the reality is, it's not about the amount of years that you live. Rather, it is about the quality of the life that you live. You can live to be, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, what after the flood, 120 was the cap. Like, after the flood, nobody was going to live past 120 years. So you could live 120 years, but if the quality of your life is very poor and weak, and shabby, and you sought after nothing but worldly and fleshly things, what does that matter? Again, our, 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 a relative that died at five years old, the quality of her life was good. Yeah. She was right in, in, in the sight of the Lord in the sense of, yes, she's a born sinner, but it was the age of accountability. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I hope you don't mind me bringing it up, Scott, but talked about this picture of his youngest grandson. And, and, and for some reason, these young children, there was the aura of the rainbow around them in the photo. We know the rainbow is associated with the Holy Spirit. The rainbow is around the throne room of God in heaven. And what I firmly believe in my spirit is, is because those children are at the age, they have not reached the age of accountability. And so you see that purity still there. Right? Once you get to a point where you understand good and evil, right from wrong, that is you're at the age of accountability. I'm not saying that the presence of the Lord leaves that person, but now you have to make a decision. 
you have to decide for yourself, will you receive Christ or will you reject Him? Because see, these young children, they're innocent still in that sense. And that's why in King David, when his son died, he said, no, I don't know, I'm going to go be with him. I'm going to go be with that baby. Where? He's going to go be with that baby when he goes to heaven when it's his son. So again, it's not about the years you live. I say all this to say, it is the quality of the life that you live. What kind of life are you living today, church? Are you living a quality of life that would put a smile on the Lord's face and, and cause Him to shower down more favor upon your life? Or are you living a life that is lukewarm? And when you're challenged with the truth in front of you, you shriek back because you just are too comfortable with the world. That's the only question only you can ask. But the Bible is clear. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, this is why, unless you are saved, everyone should be in fear of death. But if you are saved, you don't have to have fear. Death is the penalty for sin. It's the penalty for missing the mark of God's perfect holy law. And the consequences are physical death and eternal death, separated from the goodness of the Lord God Almighty for eternity. But again, the long life that you live is nothing but a drop in the bucket compared to a never-ending eternal state. Again, every time I think about that, it just hurts my brain. I don't like to think about it too much because I cannot wrap my mind around this concept. You don't have to wrap your mind around the concept. You just have to know that the Lord has everything in control and He's true and eternity is real. The scientists, the, 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 the greatest scientists of our time that study the galaxy and the universe, they say that every moment the universe is ever expanding and growing and they can't explain it because it's a supernatural phenomenon. Think about it. The God of Everything that's created, he's eternal. So it doesn't strike me as odd that the universe is ever expanding because space and time cannot contain him. <laughs> and he created space and time. So all the billions and billions of galaxies, that's, that's, that's nothing to him. Trip on that. The creator has no creation. He's always been. He's always been. You, you can't figure that out. You just have to come to a place where it's submission and, 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 and belief. Because if it's not, then you're going to say, I, I spawned from some sap in a pond, and I, I came from a monkey. My monkey, a monkey is my ancestor. That, this, I don't want to get off into that, but don't you think the creator of the universe can use a little bit of likeness of man and make a monkey? But we're not the same. We're definitely not the same. At all. I mean, he made human beings from the dirt. The dirt of the ground he made man. He said, man, from the dust you came, from the dust you shall return. It's, it's, his, it's his breath of life that he breathes into us that gives us the very being that we have. I mean, that alone should just give us the desire to praise and worship him in our lives, every day in our lives, and thank Him for the gift of life. 
The fact that you are here this morning and you woke up from your sleep and he, he, he chose to allow you to live. He didn't stop your heart in the middle of night in, in the sleep. That's a miracle. That's a blessing. He gave you the gift of a new day. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Again, this is the whole reason for the gospel. The good news is that we, when we die, we can now be in a right-standing relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, because of His sacrifice on the cross. It always goes back to Christ. It always goes back to Jesus. Jesus can never get old, can never get stale to us. For if Jesus becomes stale and old to our understanding and our thinking, it's our hearts and our minds that have become crusty. I've met older people in their later years that are so vibrant when you look in their eyes because the presence of the Holy Spirit is upon their lives, that, it, that, that, that it's the Holy Spirit inside of them that exudes. It's not their physical frame. I've seen the difference. I see older people that are really poor back, and it's probably because they're not walking with the Lord and they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And I've seen the same thing with younger people, whether or not they're, they're, they're countering it and, and how they are carrying themselves. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, there is a newness of life that is inside of your body that you can't contain and it comes out of you. And when you're walking in death and darkness, you see it upon a person. You see death upon a person. You see them bound by the sickness and the sin of this world. And it is the Lord's heart that we would reach out to those who are lost in darkness and share the truth of Christ with them. Amen? The third main point is this. If we know the right thing to do, but fail to do it, we are sinning, and we are committing the sin of omission. That is what the sin of omission is, is to know the right thing to do, but say, ah, I'm not going to We've all been there, so I'm not picking on anybody. This should resonate with all of us, because we've all done it uh, to some degree in our lives. We know the right thing to do, but yet we shriek back, or we don't have the concern to actually do what we've been ordered to do. You see, most religions frame moral obligations in a very passive way. They just emphasize avoiding evil. Oh, don't do this. Don't do that. You'll be good with God. Don't do this. Don't do that. But you see, James, he followed the example of Jesus who gave a much more difficult and much more powerful command. He said that we are to actively pursue the good of others. Actively. Not not passively. Not not when I feel like it. <laughs> How many times, man? Well, I don't feel like it. I mean, the Lord says, love your enemies. Love those who hate your guts. Not, man, I'm about to pick up a gun, I'm about to shoot them all down. No, he says, love your enemies, man. Pray for the people that persecute you. So, you know, we know clearly what's going on in our culture right now. Whether it be the government trying to silence Christians, trying to cause Christians to renege on their biblical doctrine, all of the transgenderism, I mean, it's like, I'm like, man, I can't wear Nikes no more. I don't drink. Bud Light, can't, I don't do that for people that drink Bud Light. I mean, it's uh, men's warehouse. I mean, it's every major corporation are sh- 
shoving the transgender movement down the throats of this society. And they are targeting and attacking the kids and the children specifically. Now in my flesh, I do want to wring everybody's neck. But the Lord says, love your enemies. Pray for those who hate you. And this is, this is I'm not getting political, I'm telling you like it is. It's one thing that you want to live out that sinful lifestyle amongst you and the people that want to do that. I mean, it is what it is, but they don't just want to do that. They want to violently attack anyone who opposes their belief. It's sick, but we are to pray for those people. We are to pray for them. Pray for deliverance. Pray for them to wake up from their brokenness and their sickness and that they would get convicted and realize that they are in the wrong. But it's going back to this whole idea of, of uh, knowing the right thing to do and not doing it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 tells us, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. We must realize the need of obedience to God, and it needs to be very personal to us. You see, being a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, we should not accept the idea of a passive spirituality. This is a response that is required from all men and all women. We cannot be lazy. You see, sometimes we have problems in our spiritual walk with the Lord because I'm... I, pray that I'm not offensive, and I'm trying to say this in a, in a loving way, but sometimes church will just spiritually lazy. We're not putting in the effort that needs to be put in. We expect God to do every single thing while we sit back and do nothing. There needs to be a hunger and a desire for righteousness that you follow hard after Christ. If you do not commune with Him regularly, if you do not find yourself being drawn to be in his word on a regular basis daily, if you don't see yourself drawn to be around other believers whenever you have the opportunity to when you're being social and have downtime, right, then don't be surprised when your spiritual life is stale and stagnant. You cannot thrive in Christ when you give him the crumbs of your day. But you spend hours on social media. When you spend hours seeking off worldly things and worldly pleasures and desires. And you seek to gratify your flesh. But you're not gratifying the spirit that is within you. This has to become something that is just inscribed in your life. In your heart of hearts. Something that you desire more than anything. You and I have to come to a place where we truly seek Jesus Christ just for his fellowship. Not for anything else. Not for him to heal you of your cancer. Not for him to heal you to heal your marriage. Not for him to do any of those things. Not to give you a nice home but to seek him merely on the, on the status of, Lord, I just need to be with you. 
I need to know the revelation of you living in me, and I need to know that you love me so deeply. That is where we need to be at. That is seeking the kingdom of heaven first. What does that verse say? He's going to add on everything else. Everything else that you and I truly need, he's going to add on. And if you don't have it, maybe you just don't need it in this moment. Or whatever you're going through, he's trying to build up a spiritual strength in you that supersedes the flesh. And it's going to be difficult. And it's going to be painful. But it's going to produce something so great in you that you're going to be mature in him. And you're going to know him on a deeper, more intimate level. That's why we go through difficulties in this life, church. For the saved believer, we need to act in accordance to what we claim to believe. You see, to continue to go down a path of worldliness and self-reliance instead of trusting God in our everyday lives, we're choosing to sin. We know what we should do, so we have no excuse for not doing it. Think about it. This is what James has been teaching us all throughout this book. And I know that he's spoken to me on every occasion. Like they say, the, you know, the chest is best. But yeah, I get convicted a whole lot. Because it's like everything in this book is like, man, okay, I need to get right here. I need to get right here. I need to grow in this area. Man, Lord, you're taking the sledgehammer to me. But it's for my own good. But you see, as we go through this series, there's a, we have a serious issue if we're not if we're not addressing all these things, where it's like, listen more than you talk. <laughs> and if we're not addressing that, and if we're not trying to, like, control our tongues, and if we're not really trying to listen and hear, you know, I'm getting to the, to the place where it's like, I hear brothers share what they're going through, and it's like, man, I just break down. You know, I just break down because it's like, in my spirit, I, I grieve with them. I see and I hear what they're, what they're talking about, and, and, it, and it's a burden on my heart, you know? I wasn't like that before. I would hear what someone had to say. It's like, I hear you, bro, and I'm praying for you, bro. But it's like, I got my own life, and, you know, when you're gone, I'm, I'm over here doing whatever I'm doing. But it's like it grips me because I'm coming closer to the Lord. I'm coming in, 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 a, in a closer relationship with Jesus. And it's like, I grieve for the things that grieve Him, and I rejoice for the things that He rejoices, and I hate the things that He hates. I hate my own sin. I hate the sin in my life. And you should too. And you should too. You see, it's too easy to respond to the teaching of Scripture in some philosophical, mental ways without really making any changes. Well, it's like, yes, I, I accept that Christ be true, but yeah, I'm, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, and we have no intention of getting married because I just don't believe in marriage. Bruh. How are you going to say you follow Christ, but you laying up with your, your your girl, you guys are playing house, you're not, you're, not, you're not really doing it, and then you say, I don't want to get married because I don't believe it's biblical because things have changed. That is someone who, what I just explained, they intellectually, philosophically, understand the word, but it hasn't hit the inner core of who they are. Because when the word of God hits you in your heart of hearts, you will change. You will change. You cannot stay the same. You can't. 
You have to, you're, you're going to, I don't care how long it takes, you're going to be fighting and pushing and pulling for the good because your heart has been gripped by the all power of God. And this is not something that is made up. This is not, this is not an act. This is not a, this is not a stage show. This is reality in the spirit world being lived out in the flesh. And either we are for the Lord or against Him. But again, this all comes back to if you know the right thing to do and fail to do it, it is sin. We are not merely meant to avoid evil. Believers are morally obligated to do what we know is right. We're morally obligated as soldiers in the Lord's army to do the right thing. And you know how it feels when you don't do the right thing. Aren't you grieved? Doesn't it suck? <laughs> Man, I totally missed out. Now i got to get right with you, Lord. <laughs> now i got to get right with these people. But what keeps us from that? Pride. Pride. Simply put, I'm going to double down. I was right. No, I, I can't do that on my way. <laughs> we left the service. I just got to share this. I, I, I just got to share it. We left. We're driving. Somebody was like, I'm like, bruh, this dude's swerving in the middle lane into my lane. And I'm like, uh-uh. So I rev, and Veronica's like, why are you revving in the car? And I revved up, and then I sped up. I said, because I'm not going to let this dude punk me. And she said, that's wrong. Stop what you're doing right now. She's like, I'm in the car. The kid's in the car. What is your problem, dude? And then I said, I am not. I said, I'm not in the wrong. I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm not going to stop. I'm right. I'm, I'm doing this. Man. And when she's mad at me, don't tell her. Because <laughs> I don't want to hear it later after service. But then I'm like, man, she's mad at me. My kids have no idea what's going on. They're in their own world. And it's like, you know, we're home 20 minutes, something like that. When upstairs change and that boy's like, man, you better humble yourself, dude. You better ask for forgiveness. You better get <laughs> You're totally in the wrong. I had to go down. I had to apologize to her. I said, I said, I was wrong, I was stupid, I acted out of my emotions. I mean, we just had a five-year-old girl in our family get gunned down because of, you know what I mean, road rage, whatever, supposed gang affiliation. And here I am, not even a week after the memorial, and somebody tried to get in my lane, and I, you know what I mean, read. And so I just shared that. You know the right thing to do? Do it. Do it. Amen? All right, verses uh, 13 through 16. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is written, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Okay, so let, let's look at this first statement here. It says, um, you know, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and we're going to buy and sell. We're going to make a problem. Yeah. <laughs> These individuals, they have some grandiose plans. So, man, we're going to lay this thing out. We have a whole agenda. We have a whole idea of how we're going to profit and make a living and become rich. But you see, James, the writer of, uh, of this, uh, this word inspired by the Holy Spirit, he rebukes this kind of heart that lives and makes its plans apart 
from a constant awareness of the hand of God and with an underestimation of our own limitations. You want to be the type of person that's like, Lord, I want your hand upon me. You want to be like Moses. If you don't go before me, I ain't going. That's how you want to be. You want to be like, bro, I'm bad, I'm big, I'm, I'm, I'm hard, bro, I'm going. I, I got this. Because you don't want to be that dude. You don't want to be that woman. Because when you fall flat on your face, you're going to fall hard. <laughs> you're going to fall hard. Don't take my word for it. It's also, look at the people in the Bible that went without the Lord's blessing and it didn't work out well for them. You want to be like Joshua. Lord's like, man, everywhere you step, man, I'm giving you victory. I'm trying to be like Joshua, man. I want, I want, I want to go and know, man, Lord, you going before me and backing me on the side of me, man. I I'm not going to get caught up. You see, he goes on to say, you and I do not know what will happen tomorrow. It, it is foolish. It is utter foolishness for humans to act as if they are sovereign and can predict the future. You see, we are the creation. We are not the creator. <laughs> we are the clay. We are not the potter. We are the design and not the designer. Even without knowing it, those who claim to know the future are practicing some form of divination which is condemned by God. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 12 tells us, There shall be not there shall be not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Yes, they did crazy stuff like that back then, child sacrifice. Anyone who practices practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer, sleeping with dead bodies, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. I mean, again, it's not my words, it's the Bible. So, tarot cards, palmers, anything trying to look into the future, anything trying to summon the spirits of the dead. I mean, they got shows. I looked at the diet on my TV. I'm like, what the heck are they playing on these freaking shows? I mean, you know, it's just crazy. I'm like, yeah, people really are interested about that stuff. You want to be interested about that stuff, speak the Lord. <laughs> To seek the Lord who's all-powerful. Don't seek the wisdom of demons. That's just demonic. It's, it's spiritual darkness. And people seek after these things. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 8 and 10 tells us, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. You see, these prophets, these false prophets of old, they were trying to say that Israel, you're not going to suffer. <laughs> you're not going to go through it. But God's like, no, nah, man, I didn't send them. You're going to go through it. You're going to be captive in Babylon till I tell you you're coming out of that wicked land. This is a side note. I just need to share it because I 
sense it in my spirit very tough. There is so much going on in our world and our culture. And I get it that people want America to thrive and be great and this and that. But the Lord has revealed to me in Jeremiah chapter 44, Egypt represents the world. Those who choose to love the world, who choose not to come out of the world culture, judgment is upon them. You see, and I've concurred with other pastors that I know have the Holy Spirit, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Other pastors in this land have concurred that judgment is already upon this nation. Judgment is already upon America. It is no going back to white picket fence, two cars, kids go to college. You could do all those things, but it's not the same. This is not what it was 50 years ago. The Lord's judgment is upon this nation because we have chosen to deny him. Maybe you, maybe not you personally, but as what we are represented as. The people who are in charge, who have been put into established authority in this country, they have given over this country to Satan. So for you and your household and me and my household, you have to know me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You will be spared, but this country is not going to get better. And I share that not to scare you, but to encourage you. These things need to happen on God's timeline so Christ can return. You see, it's not just going to be Disneyland and bubblegum and cookies and candy. And for the believer, yes, you're going to still have peace through all the difficulties you're going to go through. And I'm not saying live in dread. And I'm not saying live in fear. I'm saying be awake and be aware of what's really going on. Because things have to transpire in order for Christ to return. Like I said, this transgenderism and all of this craziness with not trying to get rid of the word woman and our, our United States military, you can't say, yes, sir. This is worse than the pandemic and mass. And, and a mandate to get a vaccine. That's nothing compared to what they're doing to the sexes. And all of that was a setup to bring about this. But God is sovereign and he's allowing all of this because he has to reap a harvest of his people to draw people out of Egypt, a.k.a. the world, a.k.a. America, China, Zimbabwe, wherever, get out of the world culture, be realigned to him, so that when the restrainer is taken away out of this world and the church is raptured out of here, then it's really going to become a straight satanic spot. And the only people that are going to be saved is really about Israel at that point. Getting, finally realizing that the Messiah is their, is their king and then the remnant of Israel will be saved. But that is the trajectory we are on, church. It's not just me. There's plenty of people, pastors, non-pastors, people that are real Bible-believing Christians. They all see it. That's what's happening. I just share that. That's a side note. But I believe it needed to be shared. Because don't long for yesteryear. That's like Lot's wife longing for what was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't long for that. Move forward in Christ. Just like Abram. The Lord said, I'm calling you out of that land. Go to the place where I call you. He didn't even tell him where he was supposed to go. He just said, get out of there. And I'll eat you. That's where we're at, church. That's where I'm at. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to undershepherd this church with any kind of idea of what what's going on, other than Lord, what are we doing? I don't care. I don't care if Michelle and I did do ten songs in a row. 
I hate this structure of like, it's got to be this kind of way. Yes, there's got to be order within the church, but we don't want to stranglehold the Holy Spirit and be like, you're in a box, and this is what we do because we've done it this way. No. It's what the Lord wants to do, man. We need to allow Him to be free-flowing within our hearts and within this place so that we can really see the hand of God move. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Think about it. These people were not saying, let us go, God, to go do these things. I'm getting back on track with, you know, we're going to go into this land, we're going to do this and that. They, they didn't say, Lord, let us go, but they said, we will go. This, this insinuates that they were sure of these things. Speaking on their plans, assuming that their plans could never be offset. How many times have you had plans and your plans got offset? <laughs> out there every day. There you go. There you go. Yeah, me too. I have this whole idea of what's going to go down, and, and, and it's almost like I'm plotting. <laughs> you know, it's going to work out like this, and I'm going to have a little free time. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> you're going to go. You're going to go support the family, and it's like, I'm, I'm being real with you, church. You know what I mean? There's still a lot of selfishness in me that the world is trying to get out. And, and, but it always ends up better when you go the Lord's way. Amen? Amen. Um, notice that uh, these people, while they, while they thought everything was at their disposal, they used everything for worldly objectives. They weren't concerned about what the Lord's plans were for their life. They just wanted to fulfill their own fleshly desires. All they wanted was earthly gain. We're going to go to this land. We're going to do business. We're going to make a profit. Again, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But when your motive is driven purely by, I want what I want and I'm going to gain what I gain, and God, you're not even in the equation, that's when it's wrong. Again, the application is this. We are to live in such a way that looks to God to order our steps, not to believe that we are in control of what we will bring that day. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33 says, the lot is cast in the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Or another translation, we may throw the dice, but the Lord, you know, uh, decides where they land, right? Who, who throws the dice and actually knows what's going to come up? That's why gambling is such a bad deal. Man, you have lose so much money, man. Yeah, I'm going to go to Vegas, man. Yeah, I'm going to go to Nevada. I'm going to go to the crap table. Okay, you're going to come back broke. <laughs> and even if you do win, they set you up so you just spend more money. And then, unless you're a real high roller that's already got it in with all those companies, man, you're going to end up messed up. It's not a good look. But it's just it's as simple as that. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. I don't know how many times I've looked at the forecast, and they're like, rain, 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 rain. It didn't even rain, man. <laughs> or they say, oh, it's sunny, and it's going to be 78 degrees. I'm like, bro, it's like 68. It is drizzling. I'm like, this ain't San Francisco. This is no Petis. I gave up on that. I'm like, I'm just going to go outside, and whatever it is, it is. And every time, man, every time I get my car washed, there's a loop right here. I don't even do the inside no more. I got kids. Yeah, inside ain't never going to get clean, but I'm like, let me make that, try to make the outside look decent. Every time I go to the loop, for sure, man, ain't nothing but three days in that car. We just got the car wash, and, man, we were at, uh, what is it, Twin Creeks yesterday, because, you know, our, one of our nieces, she has, she's part of this big old soccer tournament that's two days long. And there's all kind of bird poop all over the front of the car. I'm like, what in the world? I don't know, that's just 
some nonsense. I just shared that. <laughs> it never works out for me, man. I'm trying to get my car clean. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell me, Jesus, stop tripping on material stuff. I don't know. I don't know. But what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You see, if you and I are wise, we will consider the fragileness or the fragility, if you will, of human life. And the fact that we live and move only by the permission of God. That's the truth. You and I live only by the permission of God. He's the one who allows you to be alive. You don't do it. And I get it, you know, people, you know, whatever. If you got it, you, you feel led to eat kale, and if you feel led to cut this and that out of your diet, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm there. I told you guys last week that the doctor said that I'm, you know, whatever, borderline pre-diabetic, so I'm, I'm doing a different diet now, and I, I feel better. But it's like, that's not my God. Because whether I'm pre-diabetic or I'm a full-blown type 2 diabetes, I'm going to die. And the Lord's going to keep me alive however he sees fit. And it's the same thing with you. You see, we should not be discouraged from planning and doing. But we should only be planning and doing with our reliance on God. That's the whole point. Don't be a foolish person and don't plan, but run your plans by him. Allow him to speak into what you're trying to do, and then he'll help you formulate what you're actually to do. The idea that our life was a mist or vapor or shadow was a frequent figure from the speech of the Old Testament. Psalm 102, chapter 11 says, My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Job chapter 8, verse 9 tells us, For we, for we are but of yesterday and know nothing, for our days on earth are a shadow. I'll share one more. Just to drive home the point. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 15 says, For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. Remember the story that Jesus told about the rich man who made great plans for the future and foolishly lost it all when his soul was required of him? For sake of this message, I will read that portion of Scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. And it says, And he, speaking of Jesus, told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. So he was very wealthy. He had favor of the Lord in that regard. And this man he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones that there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But the Lord said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Do you, do you understand, church, that true wealth is a right relationship with Jesus Christ? We must understand that the spiritual world, even though we can't see it, is more real than the physical world. What you can see and touch the pales in comparison to what's going on in the atmosphere of the spiritual realm.
money. There's nothing wrong with money. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the love of this world and the love of the flesh and the love and the security of this world, it pales in comparison to having true eternal wealth. I alluded to this earlier. Just seeking Christ for Him. That's all you need. You'll never be content in your life if you're searching for everything else but Him. You need Him alone. I have to drive this point home because that is the key to your victory and my victory. Everything you and I are struggling with hinges on our relationship with Christ. The Bible never said that He's going to take away your circumstances, but you can thrive. If Paul was beat and flogged and shipwrecked and all these bad things happened, and, he, and, and, and when he wrote uh, much of his epistles in prison, then that shows us that you're going to go through difficult times in this time. I mean, Peter was crucified upside down. <laughs> Everybody was killed except John, and John was on an island where he had the vision and, and, and was inspired to, to write the book of Revelation. So it's like all the first century church, they all went through it, man. They all went through it. Even, even, even you move past that into how Judaism got separated from Christianity and all the things that went on there and how it splintered. Man, Christians have been going through it for ages. But they have an eternal security and hope. And there's a reason why this is the only world religion that's attacked like that because it is the true religion, which I don't want to get into it because it's a whole other thing. But we have to understand, church, that Judaism, true Judaism, right, is like this with us. Jesus never came to make Christianity what Christianity has become. <laughs> it's all one and the same. We are, we are like, you know, cousins with Israel. So that, that's what it is. We're just followers of Christ. We're followers of Christ. I don't have time to get into all that, but you can look it up for yourself. A lot of the reason why Christianity ended up becoming what it is, look at Constantine. You got Constantine to thank for that. He was an anti-Semite, and he, uh, he killed many Jewish people who would not surrender to uh, uh, Christianity. Uh, that's not what <laughs> you see how man mucks everything up when we get our hands into it? That's why you got all these denominations. Man mucks everything up. We need to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. But that's just some food for thought for you, that us and Israel are really one and the same in that regard. The true followers of Christ will follow Christ alone in thought, action, and deed. Know that life is short. We must be diligent and energetic about common duties of everyday life. Simply this, parents, tell your kids you love them. <laughs> Likewise, children, and just be grateful for your parents, man. Be grateful that God gave you the loving parents that he gave you. Yeah, they may not they may not do everything the way you want them to do, but they love you and they care for you. They put parameters upon your life because they want you to thrive. And if they didn't care, they'd let you do whatever the heck you want to do, and then you end up a hot mess. There'd be no regard for your life at all. Spouses, don't neglect one another. Love your spouse. spouse. You know, wives, respect your husband. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church and do for her as Christ does. That means you give up yourself for her, for her well-being. She should be, she should be, she should be being sanctified 
through the love that comes through you. If you're married. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's hardcore to me because I know that I'm still being worked on in that area. But that is the truth. That's how God wants to use husbands for their wives. Church, be about your father's business and spread the gospel to those you come across. Get right with whoever you have an issue with. All right, you see this whole thing about if it's the Lord's will, that's what we should say. It's nothing but sheer arrogance that makes us think that we can live and move and, and have our being independent of God. Again, He alone puts breath in our lungs and He keeps all our faculties working. This boastful arrogance is the it's the it's the premise of sin. A proud independence is the root of all sin, and and this is what cast uh, this is this was the case with Lucifer. Isaiah chapter fourteen verses twelve through fifteen, speaking of Lucifer, how 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 you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn, a son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground. You who laid the nations low, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will set on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Wow. But you are brought down low to Shiloh, to the far reaches of the pit. Also, when you look at Adam in Genesis chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, this is the same thing about pride. For God knows that when you eat of it, speaking of that fruit from that specific tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed big leaves together to make themselves loin cloth. You see the pride, the pride, and, 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 and the arrogance to not listen and obey. This is what causes this sin in our lives. Isn't it interesting that our culture works primarily on the principle of independence? That, that's that's what that's what our culture operates on. And I know that. In its, in, its, in its beginnings, it was a good thing. But it has morphed into an unhealthy type of independence that's steep in pride. It's like when they say, okay, you're 18 years old. You're 18. All of a sudden, you're independent. Get out. <laughs> yes, there are some that may thrive at that age. But many are far from being able to live a healthy, righteous life on their own at that young age. Paul knew and live by this principle. Also, too, you know, usually in other cultures and other places, like, usually the children stay with the family until they get married. They're not kicked out. They don't boot them out. Oh, get out. Get your own credit. Go do this and that. It's that whole, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps, and I'm going to make a name for myself, and I'm going to show that I'm okay. I mean, you know, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not trying to put everybody in a box so that's not that's the case for every single young person. But, you know, if, if, if you're not led to kick out your kids, don't kick them out. <laughs> don't kick them out because you're feeding them to the wolves, man. God willing. This is the principle. Everything is God willing. Lord willing. Man, Lord willing, we'll hook up. Lord willing, we're going to do this and that. Not we're going to do it. Acts chapter 18, verse 21 tells us. But 
on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you. This is Paul speaking to the, 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 the members of the church. If God wills, and he set sail for Ephesus. Again, all such boasting is wicked. We must not be haughty or prideful and assume we are going to do all sorts of things without laying our plans before the Lord. Such an attitude is sinful and wicked. There is only one thing to be certain of. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 tells us, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. That's the only thing to be certain of. This world is going to pass away. It's going to burn away, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. His word will remain, and those who are in the the bosom of the Father will remain. Everything else is going to burn and fade away. You know that, church. I mean, again, just look at your body. You know, belly's getting bigger, head's getting balder, hair's getting grayer, it's fading away. But the word of the Lord, the word of Hashem, the word of the Almighty God will remain forever. Rejoice in that. Amen? I have one little quick last point, and then um, we'll be done. Isaiah and uh, Michelle can come up. Uh, it's the last verse, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him or her, it is sin. Okay. It's far easier to think about and talk about humility and dependence on God than to actually live it out. We all know this. The talk is cheap. The Lord wants us to live out and act out how we are to be. The bottom line is this. If you and I know these things, we are accountable to do them. The application is simply this. Genuine faith is proved by action. If we don't do the correct thing, once again, we are committing the sin of omission. Remember the account of the Good Samaritan? The priest and the Levite. And the Levite, excuse me. They both passed by this man that was badly beaten and in need of care. The priest! Bro, you're a priest! You're, you're, you know the law. You know the Torah. You know what you're supposed to do. But yet he says, this man is unclean. I can't dare touch him. <laughs> I need to step to the other side of the road and walk away. Someone else will heal him and help him. The Levite, he's trained up in the ways of the law. He knows exactly what to do too. But yet the Levite, somebody who's religious, somebody who's supposed to be spiritual, same thing. This poor man, God bless him. That's why when we say, brother, God bless you, <laughs> knowing that that person needs help, and we just say, God bless you, be well, and we leave. It was the half-breed, looked at as a dog, the half-breed Samaritan that came to this man's aid. Put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, bandaged him up, gave him some, you know, fluid, and paid for him to stay. And says, whatever this man charges up, just let me know and I will come back and I will repay. That was a type of Christ. The, the half-breed, the one who was despised by the world, by the religious system, knew what to do and did it. For you and I, may we take this call seriously to live for Christ alone every day and do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, which is inherently rich in all of your truth. Father, thank you for your direction and insight. As your word is gone forth, Lord, I pray for a supernatural act of your, your hand to be upon your people. Cause them to internalize this in their spirit 
and in turn, act upon it and live it out. Father, I thank you and I praise you, for you are the only one worthy to be praised. It is in Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.